My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Poem. Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never crossed into the I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. No the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. This week's podcast is part two of our show from February of 2000, featuring local singer-songwriter Mr. Charlie Burgess and the Poetry Slam. Now, we had a lot of uh, local musicians, singer-songwriter types stop by and uh, do their thing in the open mic during the Keizu Slam years. Let's see, off the top of my head, Brooke Pridemore, Stacey Kovac, Michelle Peters, Sherry Streeter, Haley Wojcik, Dave Amalekson, and Dale Johnson to name a few uh, off the top of my head. But Charlie Burgess was the unofficial bard of the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Uh, Not just because he showed up a lot, but because Charlie's songs could be satirical, whimsical, childlike, bawdy, uh, sometimes all of the above. What can I say? I like the guy. He never took himself or us too seriously, and that was never a bad thing. Anybody know where Prairie View Park is? <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, swimming beach there on Hogsett Lake. And this is a true story about something that happened there. <laughs> All the mamas grabbed their babies snatched them from the gaping jaws of death the day they saw the snake the day they saw the snake at Hogshead Lake all the virgins Ran out screaming, ran out screaming to the shore, bouncing in their polka dot bikinis, looking like a bunch of little whores. sine wave and floating like a boat and looking pretty dangerous looking like he could eat a goat
Oh, the lifeguards, they weren't no heroes. They let him get away. The day they saw the snake, the day they saw the snake at Hogshead Lake, the day they saw the snake, the day they saw the snake at Hogshead Lake. Tell Don this song is about her. <laughs> but uh, Gloria, you know there's another Don that we both know, and it's really kind of about her, but it's really kind of not. But it, she was one I was thinking about. <laughs> Sorry, Don. Crack a dawn, crack a dawn. I get up, it's crack a dawn. All my life's been let down. Oh, but I get up, it's crack a dawn. I get up, it's crack a dawn. I get up, it's crack a dawn. Fish. 
covered on a scale scales of mirror glass reflections Cast your bread upon the water Close your eyes and make a wish Father for the oceans Daughter To be eaten by a fish If she hadn't been so hollow, I would never have been swallowed, have been swallowed by a fish. My wife has tits My job has tits my life has tits Oh my But I hardly ever get to suck them Oh me, oh my I could deny the situation Father, time comes by. To call me to my station. Oh, me, oh, my. deny the situation but father time comes by to call me to my station oh me oh my my wife has tits 
My job has tits. My life has tits. Oh my. But I hardly ever get to suck them. Oh me. This one's a story I kind of stole out of Greek mythology. <laughs> I got this neighbor named Fred. There must be something wrong with his head. Fred's got this bowling ball, 16 pounds. And every day at dawn, Fred climbs up the hill and lets the ball roll down. We watch it bounce along the street. Over and over, all day long. In rain or snow or sleet. Well, every Saturday morning, Fred and his wife get into their they don't come back till Sunday evening But we all know where they are Fred says he was dead once Oh, but he made a deal with the gods if he could spend his weekends at the shore. Rolling the bowling ball would be his job forevermore. Well, I'm glad that Fred's my neighbor. Even though it does seem rather odd. He is a source of inspiration. He doesn't bitch about his job. Fred climbs up the hill and lets 
the ball rolled down We watch it bounce along the street Over and over All day long In rain or snow Or sleep In rain or snow Or sleep In rain or snow Or sleep do one more. Um, and I want to thank you all for listening. Well, there's a circle in my head. There's a circle in my head. Stop me now. Stop me now. There's a monkey in my pants. A fucking monkey in my pants. Stop me now. Stop me now.
wanted to be your chocolate box filled with all your favorite creamy centers. I wanted to be the gold, the silver, the purple foil crinkling beneath your fingertips. Or maybe that was your lips or your tongue waiting, wet with anticipation, teeth cinching down around my milk chocolatey center, breaking the crumbly outer layer, straining your teeth with the sweet stickiness of my breath, holding on to the corners of your amber lips, the scars slit straight up and down. You pull me away to let the bronze caramel swing onto your chin, grinning up at me, savoring that first bite. I want you to unwrap me always as if I was that first bloody orange sunset. Surprising, delighted in the way I feel on the roof of your mouth, melting your teeth like moonlight, your gums glistening, holding on to your onyx windpipe. You strategically pick another purple foil up and I watch you fondle its oval exterior, imagining what this creamy center would be like. The tip of your plum tongue glides across my raspberry center and I can feel your tongue lingering inside my chocolate walls. I wanted to be that chocolate center you never wanted to pull your tongue out of. Well, all right. <laughs> Whoo, judges, what'd you think? We've got a nine. An eight, an 8.9, a 7.2, and a 7.6. All right. Yeah, geez. All right. I got to let you guys know who these judges are so you can find them after the show. First, we've got Charlie. Charlie is a galactic space monkey. We got Derek. Raise your hand, Derek. That's Derek. Derek is a literary analyst for the New York Post. Do we believe that? It's like you did a little too much smoking before the show. We've got Adrian, who is the Oliver North of poetry. David. Raise your hand, David. David is a metaphysician royale, ultra suave, super cool. He is the pimp daddy of the poetry slam judging. <laughs> All right, and we have Beth, who told me not to say anything about her, but somebody added in the margin here, underwater basket weaver like small furry woodland creatures? <laughs> and she's the only female judge. Give her a round of applause. <laughs> All right, and what was Aaron's score for that round? 24.5 for our sacrificial poet. So, give the poet a round of applause, guys. Without further ado, we will jump right into our contestants. And first up to the stage, we have Chris. Come on up, Chris. Give him a big round of applause. 
I am the one who took control of death and fucked it in the ass so I would not be aborted. Now I curse the world of bullshit my parents have brought me in and wish I was aborted. I am half slave, half slave owner, while being thicker than a carton of half and half. Entrenched in embellished thoughts of playing a black and white game of Simon Says, Simon Says be black, Simon Says be white, Simon Says be white, Simon Says be black, be black and white. Then in the middle of the game, Simon calls me a nigga. I am that nigga. I am that nigga. I am that nigga on New York City street corners trying to catch a cab, but the only way I can get a ride is if I was driving Miss Daisy. I am the cracker cab driver that drive past the nigga on New York City street corners. I am the gunman who shot the bullet. That tore through the flesh and stole the soul of Martin Luther King. I am Rodney King getting his ass beat. I am Rodney Regional Denny getting his head caved in. Brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, who am I? I am not Sam. I am because I refuse to eat green eggs and ham. I am, the, I am what I fear, a white sheet and a black glove that hangs above my head. I am Ebony and Ivy's interracial baby, created from the flesh of Rosemary's baby, a biracial byproduct, wishing I could straggle half of myself so I can become whole. Hell yeah, what'd you guys think? Judges! We've got, you gotta hold up your score, Derek. Oh, we got an 8.5 from the guy who doesn't want to write anything down. A 7.1, a 7.5, 7. You guys fucking suck. An 8 and a 9.8 from Charlie. All right. All right. We will throw out the high. We will throw out the low. We will ignore the fact that at least two of the judges really suck. And we get a 24.0 for Chris. All right. Give Chris a loud round of applause. Boo the fucking judges. Give props to the poet. All right, next up to the stage, we have Sean. Sean, come on up here. Curly dark hairs of yours I found in my sweater remind me of the ones of yours that I found while flossing but didn't mind. I haven't known you long enough to tell your pubic groups. They never seem to match your top hair. I mean, your down below's color wheel seems to spin a shade ruddier. Is it because the sun doesn't shine there? Is it to cap off the way that your sideways smiles just push back between your hips? You know, proof of the creation's hands needing you as much as I do now. And it tempts us away from that face-to-face -face fuck. With my nose pressed at your nape, I sense it sharpen, and I become a predator, sniffing like the hounds back to your past as I begin with the smell of the cry of a baby, and I breathe the air that clotted their first skin knee, and I follow panic left like breadcrumbs, a lost trail in the supermarket, just as I walk down the path left by your first broken heart. Even now, I can still smell him years after he left your broken hymen behind, and around you, I shed years lives. Generations of evolution. I cling faithful to your leg. I swim upstream to coat your eggs. I feel like I divided you off eons ago when male and female were created. And lonely now is there that realization that we were once the same amoeba. In some tribes, they pair off two children born under the same star, raise them only maybe a village over. And that feeling that there is someone for you out there 
is something I no longer need to envy because there's no luster so compared to your eyes. Any invitation has seen them wrong. They can't be found in the man ground men lay upon. In a pile behind the power of your eyes lay a horde of other men's stares now mine as if they are to be sparkle counted for their beheld you my beholden too. No, I don't sleep on the ground only to rise with gems unless you come to my sleep again. And then only then do stars fall martyred in sky gathered and kissed and strung by eye do they hang across your neck untamed. Don't open your eyes now. Let the stars have their shame. And I want to make love to you so languid and long. You have my grandchildren, and don't you ever tell them. I never wrote you a poem. All right, judges. What do we got for the languid and long, Sean Shea? We have a 8.3, a 7.8, a 7.5, an 8.2, and a 9.6. And we throw out the high and we throw out the low. A 24.3 for Sean. Give him a big round of applause. All right. They opened this cool little food shop over here in the corner called Patronas. You guys got to check out their stuff because they got really, really good food going on over there. And there's a guy who sits back there really bored all night long, not doing anything because none of us eat. So you guys got to buy something from him. <laughs> all right. Next to the stage, we have Melanie. <laughs> Melanie, come on with a beer. I am attracted to your mind and not your body. Your mind and not your body. I walked into the party and bam! From across the room, your mind stood out like a scarecrow in a cornfield. Oh, I could see your brains from across the room, all right. And the closer I got, the more sure I was that you were some sweet, clever genius, tossing out witty words and sharp sarcasm. I'm even a little embarrassed to say, but one look at that awesome mind of yours and thoughts of seducing it and quietly making love to it just kept running through my head. I tried to pretend for decency's sake that I was really about your body. I even went as far. I even, but damn baby, all I could think about was your super cool, uber sexy mind. I even went out with you a couple of times under the pretense of having a true adoration for your body, but to no avail. It did nothing for me. Our bodies had bad, unenlightened conversation. I wanted to stay awake all night, making your mind explode and talking. But instead, I didn't end up making your head explode and fucking. All I wanted was to blow your mind, but I whined and dined your, that body of yours until finally I couldn't bear to demean you that way any longer. I thought you'd be upset. After all this time, I had been after your mind, but you said everything was cool. You were a little hurt, but you understood. You were looking for something a little more deep anyways. And even though your friends thought you a cheap himbo for giving up your brain so easy, you knew that they secretly wanted to be you. Wanted to be that one guy who gets all the girls solely because his mind is so damn awesome. So we agreed to, to this deep thing, this it's all about the brains and not the body thing. And we like it that way. And ever so often when I look at your mind from across the room or I see it walking down the street, I think to myself, how did I ever get so lucky? to go home to these brains every night. I could fuck anybody. 
but I like making love to your mind. All right. Judges, what do you think? Pokey. Pokey judges. Oh, Charlie. Jeez, Charlie. We have a 7.0. An 8.0. An 8.1. An 8.2. And a 9.8. Unfortunately, because none of the other judges know good poetry, we've got to throw the 9.8 out. But that's okay. A 24.3 for Melanie. And next to the stage, we have Todd. Come on up here, Todd. I'm afraid this poem objectifies women. Sorry. This goes out to all the women in my life. You know who you are. This one is for the women I did not marry. I love you. I've loved you all. I can't stop thinking about your black, brown, red, or brown hair. I go crazy when I run my fingers through your wavy, straight, or curly tresses. Bleached, dyed, or natural, you're the one for me. And your eyes, I lose myself in those pools of brown, green, and or blue. <laughs> Bespectacled, contact lensed, or 2020, it's your gelatinous orbs I think of when I dream at night. I love your thin and full lips, petite and full figures, breasts of all sizes. I've loved you all. Oh, how I love you all. I will love you forever. Why can't you love me? I know I'm married, married to a wonderful woman, but it's not my fault the Mormons gave polygamy such a bad name. <laughs> You know, Muhammad had 13 wives, and he was very busy being the prophet. <laughs> I'm just a poet. I drink and write. My other 23 hours are all yours. <laughs> I would treat you so good. None of your significant others treat you right. For you, I would grow 100 arms and 100 hands and 500 fingers to run through all your hair and caress all your cheeks and stroke all your breasts, rub and tickle and touch and touch and rub and tickle and caress and stroke. I want to be your every man. Love me. I'll read you erotic poetry on bearskin rugs. Love me. I'll sing you love songs in Italian restaurants. Love me. 
I would marry every single one of you if I could. I'm sorry I can't, so just love me. Thank God I'm not the carpenter of that man's doghouse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, judges. <laughs> Woo! Okay, uh, we have an 8.2. An 8.7. An 8.7. A 9.8 and a 10. All right. All right, Grand Rapids has one hell of a show going on right now called The Pillory at Gold Coffee, Coffee Company. Is that right, Greg? That's it. And uh, Greg Bliss will give you directions if you need it. It's one hell of a show. It's on Sunday nights. I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to soon. So I hear it's really good. Yeah, well, some of us don't have cars that work so good. A 27.2 for Todd. 27.2 for Todd. Give him a big round of applause. All right. Next to the stage, we have Mr. Dan Stevens. Come on up here. There's a nice broken-hearted poem for you. <coughs> Things are over, things are new, things are troubling, comforting, strange, and things are what I've always made them effortlessly striving. Things are backwards, right on track, and well, I've got things well in hand, I guess, but things are overblown and senseless, things like love and money. If you tell me something, tell me one thing, what's the worst thing, best thing ever? What's the one thing you would die for when things are boring, things are lonely, things are fine? Don't ask me why. Things are funny when you're laughing, things are easy when you're stoned, things are timely, cold, predictable. Did you know you make things happen? And everything you want from me is somewhere deep inside you. Things are shitty now and then again when everything around you falls to pieces. All the little things, the creepy, crawly little things that plague you in the night, the things that tear you up and throw you down, and all the things that haunt you. And one thing I can never change is something I've forgotten. And the things I miss about you are the things we never did. And things went wrong and things went right and everything came out tonight, the spiteful things, the jaded things, the things you never told me. And now I see these things unsaid, undone, forgotten things from long ago, circling under and carrying over. These things were calm and unforgiving the moment my heart dropped. But things are hopeless when you're sulking and things are over when you stop. All right. Come on, judges, give it to us. We got one. We got two. We got three, four. Charlie's being pokey again. We got five. We got an 8.1. We got an 8.5. We got a 9.2, a 9.3, and a 9.9 for Dan. All right. Give him a big round of applause. <laughs> we throw out the high and we throw out the low. And we get a 27.0 for Mr. Stevens. Give him a big round of applause. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got Don. Come on up here, Don.
damn mutants. I caught a glimpse of you in the bar and for a second I remembered being 18 and in love with you. And maybe it was a rock star image, but it took a Grateful Dead tour to put me back together. And I miss knowing that you were the one, but every time I turn around, the one is walking out the door. And I wonder if it'll be like this forever. Exes stacking up like used romance novels at the neighborhood garage sale. Each one reminding me about some fantasy lying about reality. Dipping its fingers, pretending to finger paint when I've been waiting so long to color my life purple. So let's throw another log on the fire and toast marshmallows. I'm told there is no romance, just a little girl notion I couldn't escape. And my pink frilly dress is combusted with the Playgirl magazine in fourth grade. And the parade I men I used to love marches on in front of me. My mom wants grandchildren. My grandmother wants me to settle down and I'll be outgrowing the rebellion soon, see, soon, see, they say. And I'll want babies and money just like everyone else. And God help the man who ever really loves me. I'm not content to live cooking, cleaning, growing old while my life revolves, dissolves around me, revolves around Little League. I've never been to Oregon or India for that matter. And it's hard to backpack across Europe with a three-year-old and a guilty conscience, a child gallivanting here and there with no stability tossed around like me. And now I spend my life searching for that long-haired hippie guitar player with the soul of a poet who understands my road trip fever. He's racing to beat me to the river, and I'm betting on the long shot that God has angels because he likes the company. Even though another year is knocking down my door and demanding to know why I hold on to all these foolish notions when it's obvious my life could use some structure. The worldwise woman says, you're almost 24, just pick one and settle down. And so for my birthday, I think I'll buy my mother a muzzle and let her prepare my sister's wedding. I'm preparing for the man of my dreams to knock on my door with a bouquet of purple daisy and the poem he wrote all for me or a song that I've been waiting my whole life to hear. Or I'm at work and he orders a tequila mockingbird psychically knowing it's a drink I haven't invented yet. Truth be told, it's really just the daisies. What the hell do I do with that? Mutants. All right, judges. What'd you think of Don? We got one. Two, three, four, five. We have a 8.1. Yeah. A 9.0. An 8.8. Uh, 9 a 9.4. 9.5. Cut the decimal points, you idiot. And a 9.9. All right. Barring faulty judges, we have a 27.3 for Dawn. Give her a big round of applause. All right. Next, we have Nicole. Nicole, get up here. All right. March through May, you were in my hands. September, gone again. Five months evolve. In February, no one is thinking about you. <laughs> Fuck that, I lied. 
I hear you in my ears, trapped in every crook of your warm, sleeping form. The things I saw, I will never tell you. Never, not even you. I curse blank air for your absence and praise morning sun for your light. Caught in the middle of blind, foolish joy, zebra-striped sheets can hide a lot. Until, hello there, he says, let me buy you another. No, thank you, reply, I'm full. Let me, I love you, I must give you something. Then tell me, I, my, my, ugh, then tell me my own name. Let me take you away, a park in the west. Follow me, you'll be my wife. Let go of my arm, you aren't part of my soul. Then I'll drag you off into the night. All right. That was her first time up here, guys. Give her a big old round of applause. That's awesome. Judges. I'm sorry, Charlie. Is it that big a deal, man? We got one. Two, three, four, five. We've got a 6.0. We've got a 7.8. A 7.7. An 8 and an 8.3. That's fucking ridiculous. Jeez. That's right, that's right, right. You guys need help getting to your cars tonight, huh? Huh? Yeah. A 23.5. Give her a big round of applause. That was her first time up there. All right. And our last slammer tonight for the first round is Melanie. Melanie? Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Carrie, eh, my notes are awful. Carrie, come on up here. This is a brand new one I wrote especially for tonight. It's called Fishing for the Words. The man in my life makes me feel like fish. Don't get me wrong, not the scaly, ocean-dwelling, all-you-can-eat-on-Friday kind. I'm talking the musician fish. And not the PH fish, mind you, with a 20 something mock hippie following and a Ben and Jerry's flavor named after them. <laughs> now, I feel like the towering little known Scotsman whose photo graces my fridge, his tired arm draped on my shoulder, me only up to his armpit, all glassy, idle struck eyes and foolish, slobbering smile at finally getting to meet my own personal legend. The poet who works words like silver, linking them together in perfect shining chains that dangle and flash in the dark as his music wraps itself around me. And I sit aching and wishing I smoked and could write like that. <laughs> but this flawless gift that makes me wonder if he didn't pen a contract with old Scratch. Hey, buddy, want to buy poetic perfection? I'm running a special today, just one highland soul. It's hardly where I draw my comparison. You see, for all his syllabic grace, Fish cannot write a love song. 
He laments that sorry lack on every last CD. How he never did, still hasn't, is forever trying. And it would appear that despite fantastic raw materials, I can no longer build love poems. Maybe I used up my quota years ago, or maybe that idealistic spark flickered itself out. Or maybe I'm just plain terrified of the permanence of ink. Because so far, this man in my life only makes guest appearances in my poems. Just a line or two here or there, long enough to catch a quick glimpse of him as I go bounding off in any other direction but in. Which is strange, because he's the one with whom I pen whole pages of my life. We move seamlessly around the morning together, weaving close couplets through the kitchen. We carve quatrains on the summer sky through the contented sighs of birch trees or under the dual gaze of a pregnant moon and her Ripley sister reaching for the shore. We speak in haiku, no explanations needed, finished sentences. We dance iambic patterns through the night, all misty wings and earth-deep ancient gods. And I begin to understand the claws that must lurk in mite-sized letters in the depths of the deed to my favorite Scotsman's soul that reads something like, one exception to perfection, no capturing of love allowed. Because when I hold up this happiness to a bright window or a spotlight to get a closer look, it shimmers and quicksilvers away like a mirage you can only snag out of the corner of one heavy-lidded eye. And I am left standing there, heart full but hands empty, just fishing for the words. All right, judges. Caught me thinking. All right, what did you guys think? We got one, two, three, four, five. We have an 8.4, a 9.5, a 9.5, an 8.8, .8, and a 10. All right. All right, what we do is we take the top three, we reverse their order, and they come back up here for the second round. I am ready. Todd will come up first, then Sean, 27.3. Dawn, and then Gary, 27.8. the 27.8. Is that the correct? Reverse the order. So the first person to come up is Carrie. Re like reverse isn't what they. We aren't very good mathematical people or logical people. We just like words a lot, really. All right, so first up in the second round is going to be Carrie. Come on up, Carrie. Give her a big round of applause. The first phone call. Phones don't ring at 3 a.m. They shriek. They wail that something is very wrong especially when the monotone voice at the other end of the line asks if I will accept charges. 
Heart flails about like a startled rabbit. Clammy fingers clench receiver as if to wring some sort of answer out of it. Who's hurt? Who's died? Who? And then the name. Your name. You're not hurt. You're not dead. You just finally found yourself face to face with a phone. Whiskey in one hand, crumpled card of scribble numbers in the other, and a sickly marriage weighing heavy on your back. You finally cared enough to call, or maybe you were just reaching out like I said you could back when we started this whole sordid thing, though I don't necessarily want to listen. And I heard your name and said nothing. And quietly hung up slipping back into bed and whispering wrong number to the one who was already there. All right, judges. One, two, three. Four, five. We've got an 8.0, an 8.6, an 8.8, an 8.8, and a 9.2. All right, give her a big round of applause, guys. Screw them judges, come on. All right. All three of our finalists get a prize tonight. The third place person gets a book of Shakespeare on poetry. And then Athena Bookstore has provided us with some nice gift certificates for our second and first place winner. They're right over there. <laughs> All right, and the score for Carrie? A 26.2 for Carrie. All right. And next up in the final round, we have Don. Come on up, Don. God, I love love. I think we already discussed that. So I met a boy, and he was a lion, and he roared and sauntered out of my life. And his memory stayed with me longer than it took him to discover my secrets and leave them lying naked on the floor. And on and on in my brain, I hear Paul Simon, there's a window in my soul, but no poem will fly out and release me from the slideshow of my foolishness. And I write waiting for my emancipation. I'm twisting myself in knots, crossing my fingers for a happy ending. I hope it's a romantic stuck in a cynic's body and I'm an oxymoron all by myself. A girl with a heart of gold who would sell it for some magic beans and then forget and make coffee. When all I want is a man who sends shivers from my clitoris to my synopsis, challenging me to new heights of intellectual orgasm. But I'm afraid my neurotransmitters are on strike and the scabs trying to infiltrate my brain constitute the entire Pony Express and they'll never fit all of those horses into my head. And so I'm stuck remembering the last year over and over until they come back. 
At least there isn't a million dollar sweepstakes involved. Name the four different types of memories. And the Pony Express would have to ride down to the local library and learn about psychology in under 60 seconds and it's cowboys learning about episodic memory. And there goes my Lancelot and my money for college and what does it matter now? I still miss his songs. And the band walked past my door like a New Year's parade and the be my best pixie friend gave me music laced with my deepest desires. She took my hand as night fell down on the cold winter streets. And we walked to my 90 degree home and I got a pint of fish food and Humphrey Bogart telling me a kiss is just a kiss. And he kissed me and he never said goodbye. And I closed my eyes and listened to the lyrics of his song and I sent a prayer up to heaven. When I opened my eyes, the sun broke through the clouds. All right, what'd you guys think? Judges? We got one, two, three, four, five. We've got an 8.5, an 8.5, an 8.9, a 9.1, and a 9.2. All right. Give Don a big round of applause. All right. All right. I guess Don didn't like those scores very much. That made for a good hand gesture. A 26.5 for Don. All right, a 26.5. Give her a big round of applause. All right. And our last poet up for the slam tonight, Todd. Come on up here, Todd. This is a poem about a boy who loved himself too much. It's called Narcissus. He was a boy to turn heads as if his brain contained a super mega magnet and their eyes were iron ore. He had a full-length mirror in his locker. He would stare at himself for hours. He loved his face. He made love to his face. He blew his face little girl kisses. He blushed at his beauty. He loved his face. And the girls in the school loved his curly black hair. They wrapped their arms around his slight frame in their dreams. His pale skin never saw the sun. His eyes almond and hypnotic. The girls grew moist as he passed, and he never said a word. And he made the other boys uncomfortable. They would stare for a second before wrenching their gaze away to make a joke and laugh nervously. Fang. <laughs> but there was one girl who would watch him pass and her eyes would fill with tears. She would watch the other girls watch him and her hands would curl into tiny balls. Her nails would bite her skin and drops of blood would fall silently to the floor. She endured his silent passing for years. She endured the other girl's inane lust for years. For years she wept in blood and dreamt. And one day her arm reached out and grabbed his shoulder hard and he winced. What? He whined and every girl gasped in orgasmic unison. He spoke. What? And the hallway clock stopped at 2.29.45 for three long hours. And she stuttered out the words she had longed to say 
everyone had longed to say her whole life, I love you. In the red second hand pause for one moment more, long enough for his eyes to grow wide, long enough for him to smile, his lovely, wicked smile. Then it moved on to 2946, 22947, 22948. You love me? How sweet. And laughed a beautiful, raucous laugh. He laughed with a knife. His laughter dug deep, twisted, and tore. And the jealous girls echoed his laughter. And the jealous, uncomfortable boys echoed his laughter. They meant their laughter to be fist pounding this girl who dared speak to him. But they were too late. She felt nothing. She only stared. He walked on. She loves me. She only stared. He missed his bus for looking at his face. He heard the honks, was vaguely aware of the fading laughter, the last footsteps, the door slam. So he never saw that form behind him, nor felt the hand shove his head forward, nor felt his nose smash the mirror. He only saw 10,000 hymns, each beautiful and bleeding, each bloody and beautiful, each covered in blood, each beautiful. And she found him the next day, still beautiful. His head twisted askance, but beautiful. His yellow Eddie Bauer jacket was wrapped around his head. He was a black-eyed Susan, broken at the stem, wilting, but he was still beautiful. And she still loved him, so she knelt on one knee, wrapped her arms around him, picked up his body, and carried him home. All right. Judges, what do you think of Todd? Suspense is killing me. We got one, two, three, four, five. We've got a 7.9, an 8.9, a 9.0, a 9.0, and a 9.8. All right. Give it up for all of our slammers, guys. They did a great fucking job tonight. All right. And third place, we've got. 26.24. Carrie, give her a big round of applause, guys. And second place with a 26.5, we have Dawn. And first place, a man who's not going to get laid probably for a long time. Or maybe he is, who knows. <laughs> Todd with a, a 26.9. All right, give them all a round of applause, guys. <laughs> Woo! All right, thank you all for coming out. We're going to have an amazing feature next week, uh, or next month. Jason Carney's coming from Austin, Texas. He's a slam, he's a slam <laughs> champ. He's yeah. So, all right. Have a good time, guys. Be careful getting home, and we will see you later.
Next. Occupation. Stand-up philosopher. What? Stand-up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor of human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. Oh, a bullshit artist. <clears throat> Did you bullshit last week? No. Did you try to bullshit last week? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>